Welcome to the 50 to 70 podcast brought to you in association with Tree Fee Coffee. Today, I have Cormac Singleton with me. Hello. And very special guest, Neil Briscoe. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. How are things? Things are reasonably good. Reasonably good. Reasonably okay. good. I just never, reasonably I, good. Well, I never like to be too effusive about these things just in case. You, you, never, you never know what's around the corner. Yeah. Oh, you kind of manage to, expectations. You need to leave room for misery at all times. Be prepared for disappointment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hope for the best, expect the worst. Okay, well, we have a lot to talk about today. We do. Um, where do we, I mean, where do we begin? We, we're going to talk about the state of the car world in towards the dying end of 2023. I would like to say I have prepared extensive notes for this, but I the only thing I currently have in my hand is a cup half full of, of brown caffeinated liquid. Okay. Well, See, that's it's a, it's that's half a, full, not half empty. Go go to our sponsors. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is a good start. Thank you. Yes. Um, I'm Yeah, I'm coming in cold here, baby. Okay, so we have had everything now is electric. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not. Is it? Because just like yesterday, or was it the day before yesterday? There was the day before yesterday, you and I were at an event where a major car company, Mercedes, yes. was launching two new models, and the two cars that we drove were both diesel powered. Non electric, yes. Very much non electric. Yes. I mean, the mild hybrid, so there's a bit of electric. Yeah, yeah. Well, mild hybrid is, is a not a thing. Let's just be very it's, clear about that. Mild hybrid is not a thing. It's the it's the merkin it's, of electric cars. <laughs> it is the all mild hybrid is is we've put a slightly better stop start system in. Yeah, and that's all it is. Yeah, and actually, really, the whole language around that is even. Well, I mean, it's like misleading. For, it can, I mean, you know, to a degree, Ford claims the Puma is the Puma hybrid, and yes. it's really not. It's not. No, and well, yeah, and this is where language is important. Very obviously, being a journalist. You know, to typey, typey. language does matter, but uh, I mean, is it is it kind of just too confusing for people now? Is that what it is? I uh, and are they just kind of like, oh, if we just if we just put enough shit out there, people, are just, everyone's just going to think if we just say we're hybrid, people are going to believe us. Well, they're not technically being inaccurate. I mean, mm. mild hybrid is technically a hybrid because there is an electric you know, a form of electric propulsion in the engine, but it's Ooh. really, it's Ooh. really small. We are splitting some hairs here. It's really, it depends, and again, yeah. these systems, these systems differ. Like the Mercedes one we were driving the other day, that does have a little electric motor in the gearbox and it yeah. will, it will provide, what is it, uh, 22 horsepower yeah. and two, and actually 205 newton meters of torque. It's quite a lot. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can make that argument. Um, Peugeot's new system, with the 1.2 liter engine, that's mm. kind of a halfway house between a mild hybrid and you know what we would consider a traditional Toyota style hybrid. Yes, so yeah, yeah. The problem is, you know, marketing isn't made under oath. No, no. This is this is a big problem, and this is you know you mentioned Toyota with their you know self charging and things like that, which there you is go. you know probably the most misleading thing around for a, for a very long time. But that's you know I think I think it's I always just feel like we're we are, you know, as journalists, are constantly having to kind of correct people and get past this kind of misinformation to a degree that what it is because people think, oh, well, it's it's almost a hybrid or it's almost electric, and then that's it. Yeah, uh, and it's not true. No, it, it's like the whole self-driving thing. It's like yes, there is no such thing as a self-driving car commercially available in. 2023, once, once again, let's make that clear. Yes. Cars don't <laughs> your, drive themselves. Your Tesla does not drive itself. Because it is, let's be honest, there's only one company that's 
really responsible for this. <laughs> and it's the big team. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the shaved monkey behind the wheel still has yes. to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that is, I mean, I think that's, it's a major issue. I think self-driving is a whole other thing that we'll, yeah. we'll have to almost do a whole other other show just on that because I don't I think we're never going to get there really like it's I don't in, know. in the sense I don't know. that people think I I think it will happen self-driving mm. autonomous driving let's, let's call it use proper terms here level four level five autonomous driving oh really they I will, mean it's... yeah yeah they will happen I, I still don't know to what extent I think in in urban situation in urban setups they're going to become probably very significant because, you know, we're not seeing big investment in public mm. transport. Yeah. So it could be that the only way for people to get around easily, conveniently, affordably in 15, 20 years' time, you know, might actually be by instant hire, click an app, autonomous I, 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 I get that, but I think the level four, level five idea of what we get shown of what it is, it's this kind of like pod on wheels with no it's like a lounge is like it's so far away still the whole yeah. idea of it I always, with it, unless you're in a very defined area that's the that's that's the, catch, that's the thing that's the catch it is going to be in very defined yeah. areas they're, yeah they're basically i mean you know what we already have you know vehicles that will come and pick you up or that you go and get on and that drive you around town and they're called buses and taxis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. What's or, wrong or, with those? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean we can we can talk yeah, about taxis, yeah. but um it, it's there is this there is this expectation out there. And there and I think there's also a lot of noise in the background that says, you know, car companies and tech companies too are saying, Yeah, yeah, we're gonna make autonomous cars, we're gonna make cars that drive themselves, robot cars, yay, give us money, give us investment, because that's what they need to do to keep investment happy. Sure, yeah, yeah. But it's just I mean, I I was in LA recently and there there was some of the Waymo Mm -hmm. Jaguar I paces that do drive around that you can hire and they will just you know, you can get it you get in the back seat and there's nobody in the front seat and it just takes you there. But then at the same time, cruise, which is another, you know, another uh, I don't want to call them a startup anymore. They're not a startup, but another autonomous vehicle company in the US. And they now have pulled their cars at the moment because of an accident that wasn't really the fault of the cruise car, but it hit somebody, but it hit somebody that had been hit by another car and thrown into the path of the cruise car. It's kind of one of those freak accidents, but suddenly, oh, the cruise car is at fault. I, I don't think that's why they pulled them. I think no. I think I think I think they pulled them because uh, because there was reports of people having sex in the back. Well, well, this is the other thing, and this is why we can't be trusted to have nice things because people do that, and people were putting traffic cones on them to immobilize them and do all this kind of stuff. And it's just like it's just like what you know, we don't deserve nice things. I, I, I go back to my shaved monkey comment from earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, we do have a good way of ruining things. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't know. Like there are times when I would love it. Like I love driving, but I want a car to drive me certain times. You know, if, if I had to drive from Dublin to Cork, I don't want to do that drive. I just want to hit a button and have it drive me all the way there. And I can actually zone out and do something else. I, I would like that. But to be honest with you, I would prefer that there was a good train service that did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Because while it may be a surprising thing to say on a motoring podcast, I, I quite like travelling by train. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I have very little reason to travel by train, but yeah. in Dublin I use the Lewis very frequently, and yeah. I, I use, you know, most of the time, half the time nowadays when I'm travelling on international events, I'm taking a bus to the airport because 
it's just easier and it literally costs five euro so it's like why would i do this rather than you know spend the same amount of time driving there or longer and then have to pay for parking and yeah, but uh, we can't talk about Dublin Airport here because I'll get in trouble. Well, yeah, are you um, still I'm, I'm still blocked by Dublin Airport for pointing out some of the inaccuracies or some of the downfalls of how they uh, operate their airport. And they decided to block me because seemingly that would stop me talking about it. I think they don't quite understand how to block Out, out of works. sight, out of mind. Yeah, we we yeah. can't see you talking about us. It, that means you're not that, talking about us. Exactly, yeah. But, but yeah, no, I think you're right. I think... And I think that's the thing that maybe, you know, certainly we all have in common is that we all love cars, but yeah. we're not this kind of, you know, anti everything else kind of thing. And, you know, like I, like, you know, I'm a huge user of Dublin bikes, for example, in, in city, you know, in town. So, yes, there's room for everything, but, but cars are brilliant. Cars are great. <laughs> cars, cars are <laughs> wonderful. Cars are wonderful. And I've actually been, I've, I've been reminded this week of how wonderful because as you know because we met up the other day i'm letting the listeners in behind the curtain here yes slightly. um i am driving this week a skoda octavia with a petrol engine and manual gearbox which is a rare thing it's which is for, nowadays for us because yeah. uh, everything is Every, electric everything's electric everything's gone automatic this yeah. this is not electric this is not automatic and it is an utter delight to drive and it reminds you like there's a magical stick coming up from the floor that allows <laughs> yeah. you to pick what gear you want i mean I, i'm i'm halfway there like i you know i came here in an a6 diesel today <laughs> audi a6 and i was kind of like wow a diesel you know it's just and i genuinely thought there's just something in the back of your head about i don't have to think at all about refueling about charging about doing anything having an app right i just no that's it just get in 1100 odd kilometers with a full tank and it's great for doing long distance if i lived and only drove in the city i wouldn't have one but there's something kind of nice about just there there is something deeply satisfying about yeah. getting into any car and yeah. seeing a four-figure distance yeah 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 and drive. actually that octavia with the with that engine is actually quite a sweet little package as oh, it's well lovely. It's, yeah it's yeah. that 1.5 turbo it's one yeah of the, it's one of the best things that volkswagen group ever did yeah and the whole car is just such a good package yeah, it's, yeah. it does everything it's one of those just does everything cars is it is combi estate no, no, it's, 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 it's the fastback, it's okay, the right. saloon. But even yeah. so, massive boot, massive backseat. Yeah, you know, fantastic yeah. build quality. Well, it does. It pushes every button on my list. Yeah. Um, Although you you were you weren't too complimentary about the passenger seat in the A6. Oh, it's very hard. Yeah. It's <laughs> the base is just made of concrete. It's too short. It's just stuck in it for two hours now. Backrest is fine. Heated seats on the whole time. That's all lovely. But it's just so stiff. And the car itself is stiff. And then you have the road noise coming in. You go, mm, yes, there's this a, is a lot diesel of road slum. noise in that A6. That, that's, that, I, I was like, it's been a while since I've, I mean, it's been a few years since I've driven an A6. And I think that's what kind of, I think Audi forgot they had the A6 as well. They kind of rang me. I was like, oh, would you like to drive an Audi A6? I was like, sure, it's been a while. <laughs> the DPF and, needs a regen, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only 3,000 Ks on this thing, so it's, it's relatively new. But, but yeah, it was kind of like, a lot of road noise and I and it, you know it's, it's got the whole S-line kit and all that but I, I kind of I always I don't know why whether it's an age thing but I find myself going if this was on 17 inch wheels with a big thick meaty tyre on it now it would be 
waft-tastic, but... Everything is better when you have high-profile tires, yes. soft suspension, yes, and and big comfy seats. This is why the Citroen C6 <sighs> is the greatest car ever made, and I, I won't be I arguing mean, why did these invariably German engineers go, yeah, we'll make it more dynamic by you know, stiffer springs by 12% yes. and we've increased the wheel size and it's like... The you, only, see, you see, this is... This, really? Okay, okay, Can we not is, go back to the, to the 80s? The only person that wants sport from an A6 is its fifth owner. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's no one else in the li- no one's walking in buying it new going yeah yeah dynamic I, I, okay I want to I want to I want to take you guys on a small journey here right I want to compare and contrast two cars driven in two different locations interestingly enough they're home locations so the first is a BMW X4 M oh, oh. and it was that uh, it was that really oh, belt, belt up listeners <laughs> <laughs> Like you, you know that thing where you, you tug your seatbelt back just to make sure it's really snug filling? That's yeah. what you need to do. Yeah. Have you ever wanted an X6 but further away? <laughs> have, have you ever wanted an X an X4 that was painted the same colour as a uh, as a builder's jacket? Fluorescent yellow. <laughs> Took this thing out and you think, okay, okay, fine. It's not my cup of tea. I get that. And I'm not a big SUV kind of guy. I don't think you're their target customer I'm for this. Very much not. Yeah. It's like this is stress testing the marketability of this car, <laughs> right? But look, I'm in Munich, I'm in Garching, which is uh, the home of BMW yes. M, and there's an Autobahn right next to me, and it is one of the wonderful de-restricted sections. And so I take this three-liter twin turbo, five hundred and ten horsepower, fluorescent yellow thing out onto the autobahn and crank it. And yes, I get it up to its VMAX of 155 uh, miles an hour, 250Ks. But it rides so hard, <laughs> so hard. It is like they have filled in the dampers with cement <laughs> just to lock those big 22-inch yeah. wheels in place, just to 22s. keep them right where they're supposed yeah. to be. And I swear to God, it was going to bounce me over the central res into the oncoming lane. It was appalling. And then, just to compare and contrast... Yes. And I'm not saying that one national approach is that much better than the other, but there's going to be a heavy inference of which one I prefer. <laughs> a few years previously, went over to France, went over to the Jura Mountains in southeast France with Peugeot mm-hmm. to drive one of their cars that was not a new car, that was not even a second-hand car. It was a proper, genuine classic. It was a 1969 Peugeot 504. Oh, not in, beautiful. Now, we had on hand... The beautiful Pininfarina V6 Coupe okay. version as well. But yeah. this was a plain Jane white saloon, yellow headlamps, which, ah, made, which made everything 58% cooler. Blue velour seats. My God. That are the most comfortable thing you've ever snuggled up to. And Did it stench of gitane cigarettes? No, because no, it, no. it had been cleaned and we weren't okay. allowed to smoke in it. And right. I don't smoke, but okay. I would have taken you, up smoking yeah, just, just to have a galois yeah, yeah. hanging out the window. Yeah. But this was not long after France had mandated an 80 kilometre an hour speed limit on okay. its national routes. Yes. Down from 100. And it was everybody every all, everybody in the motoring world was up in arms saying, ah, no, the French are winding back on speed limits. We can't drive the way we want to anymore. I'm telling you, it's the best idea ever because at 80Ks, this 1.8 litre Peugeot 504 was just wafting along in so much comfort. The windows were down. It was a warm day. 
The breeze was gently coming in through the cabin. The car wasn't stressed. The brakes weren't going to run out of puff. The tires weren't being tortured. It was a perfect way of traveling. I want to have that car back and have it in my life. If anybody from Peugeot is listening and that car is going spare, I will give it a good home. I will clean it and polish it. I will hoover the blue velour seats. I just like saying blue velour. <laughs> and it will it will be my treasured possession. So. There's, yeah, there's a, I mean, there, there's a whole, it's kind of sad in a way that there's a whole, gen, no, I don't want to say generation, but there's a whole group, a cohort of car drivers now who are probably driving cash cars and things yeah. like that, who don't understand and will never understand waftage in a car. Yeah. Like just that, floating you know like the suspension is working the tires are working independently of the suspension and then the seat springs that you're sitting on are also working independently and you have this trifecta of comfort going yeah. on underneath that, your arse. that's in the same way that we don't understand wearing a dressing gown to the shops <laughs> well yeah well you say that yeah, I mean, there's the, the difference between a smoking jacket and pajamas. We need to we need to draw that. Yes, we're not talking some statically charged cheap fleece. No, no, no. no. We're, we're talking pennies. we're talking fine brocaded yeah. silk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The full so, Roger Moore. So, yeah, and that waftage is just such a thing that waftage. Unless unless you have a a proper bit of back road in front mm. of you, or you're venturing out onto a racetrack, waftage is the best way to drive. Yeah, yeah. Sit back let the car do the work let the suspension take the strain and just get where you're going in comfort and enjoy yeah. the world around you actually funnily enough around about the same time I did the because uh, I know we've just seen the new new Dacia Duster yes which you did an excellent I video I did on. yes um, which is I have to say I'm not really one for SUVs me neither but I kind of dig what they've done with the new Duster I mean there's always been I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for Dusters because it's just that purely simple design it's, i mean it's I, I, i'll always slightly hold it against statue in ireland that we never got what i like to call the mogadishu spec duster that had literally un white no radio no nothing they they chickened out a little bit they're like we're not going to bring this one to the market we'll, we'll go one step up but there's a kind of honesty with that car that i really like that they're not saying we're not trying to pretend to be anything else. We are the cheapest chips car, and that's it. Yep. And I like that. And the duster now, like okay, it now looks much more modern and trendy and all that kind of stuff. But there's still that kind of honesty about it that I like. And then it's just it is like dirt cheap for yep. what it is. It know? is. It's all about fitness for purpose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, my, I mean to consider that the same size car, you can have. I remember I spec'd a Range Rover Evoque, which is almost the same size, yeah. to a six-figure sum. Yep. And I'm like... It's not even hard. That's Yeah, it's not even hard to do. So, yeah. But, yeah, the Duster now, yeah, there's a certain honesty to that car. That, that's and, super and again, cool. again, this was in France. Yeah. This was the, so this was the last facelift of the Duster that's going to be replaced next yes, summer. Yeah. So the one you can still buy. Yeah. The one you can still buy. Yeah. And again, it was it was that 80k limit. Yeah. It's a nice summer's day. I had all the windows down and the duster wafts. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not set up to be sporty because why would you bother? Yeah. Yeah. Who wants a sporty SUV? Nobody that, does. No. Nobody does. No. No. That's I mean, not okay. what they're about. Mark 1 Porsche Cayenne. I'll allow. Uh, I have a yeah, soft spot. Yeah, but even, even the Cayenne is still more luxury than sporty for me. Yeah. To a degree. Yeah. yeah. You know. But um, I, I, do, I do have a soft spot for the, the ugly dog in the room. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I know my... But I mean, you're, you know, you're in the company of Mr. Range Rover here, yes. as in anything... I own all of them. Anything that's not new. <laughs> I mean, how many P38s do you have in your possession Did at the moment? Do you want it as a percentage of Irish registered ones, or...? <laughs> 85 yeah. Um, I know where they all are, and I've owned most of them so far. Yeah, um, yeah. P38 4.6 is a proper car. Yeah, body on frame, roll it around, and it feels excellent. When you get a hustle on in one of them, you actually feel like you're doing something, because it's like a tower block coming around a corner, and it's amazing. But sports, it ain't it. No, no, no. no, no that's absolutely not. And, and neither is the greatest Range Rover of them all, the L322, the, the 2002 Range Rover, the, the, the first of the Ford Range Rovers. Oh, it's a, it's a monocoque now, so we're, we're veering away from Are true... Are you not a monocoque guy? No. You're strictly no. separate chassis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're, you're I mean, full on David Bates. This is my, puritanical stuff right here. This is my, my palms rest on my knees when I drive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to wind down the window so you can get your elbow out to turn left? Oh, I don't know. You a light shuffle without ever moving. <laughs> the the armrests in a in a Range Rover are positioned just so that your arms never leave them. <laughs> the sheer thrust of the Buick V8. Yes, yeah. I mean, I've been in them, and they are they are wonderful. They are wafty. They are yeah. wonderful. But yeah. no, I I I L three two two. It was uh, it was one of the one of the first major car launches I attended actually. I'd only been a full-time motoring journalist for a year at that point. Right. Uh, and it was up in Scotland. We were up in way, way up in the north of Scotland. We flew into an RAF base to collect the cars to go out on the test drive. That was pretty awesome in itself. Um, Ranulph Fiennes gave us a dinner talk. <laughs> so this is this is proper launch stuff back then. <laughs> How to press the buttons when you have no fingers. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got fingers. They're just shorter. That's all. Um, this is where the OBD port goes in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a, he's like R2-D2. You can just get those in anywhere. But uh, that was, yeah, we, we were barely on tarmac for two days. That car. I know I don't know. it's had its reliability issues and it chews through suspension and gearboxes and so on. But I just, who cares? It's a fabulous machine. It would yeah. be made a lot better because it was shared a lot of architecture with the E53 X5. Brilliant machine. Yep. M57 powered, which is one of BMW's gifts to the world. Agreed. And then for some reason, the facelift, I'll admit, E53 got a ZF6 speed. But the Range Rover continued with the GM5 speed, which was known for falling out if you looked at it. (laughs) So you have the go anywhere, do anything with an unkillable engine and a gearbox that's just, it's not there. It hasn't showed up for work that day. <laughs> and if it, when it falls out, you have to buy another one. <laughs> to the tune of, just replace the car. <laughs> and it just, it, it hampers what could have been perfect. And for that reason, I prefer the P38 because when the gearbox breaks, I hit it with a hammer and it just wakes up again and keeps going. There is something about old Land Rovers being fixable. I mean, needing to be fixable because they will break, but also being fixable. Yeah. But, uh, I still remember the... Uh, Everybody remember the the day that uh, the the royal wedding of Prince William and Kate? Vaguely, I they mean, were, I'm not, I'm using, not, a, I'm not a massive royal fan. They were, well, me neither. But they were using, but we are in Belfast. 
Uh, but they were using L322s to shuttle people to and oh. from the service, or shuttle the VIPs at any rate. And some some hilarious person, I wish I could remember who it was, posted on one of the social media channels, I bet they've got a fleet of Land Rovers around the back in case one of the rangies pops a box. Yeah, yeah. No Did any of them have, like, you know, uh, Land Rover of Hillingdon courtesy car on the side? <laughs> no, but you could, see a, you could see a distinct film of oil on Horse Guards Parade afterwards. I just don't know where it's gone so wrong for that company now with... It's like I've I have had I have been on international launches and these things have shit themselves. Yeah, and I and I kind of feel like if the cars that I'm being given as a journalist to test is breaking down, my God, what are the what are public getting? But that's because that's to give you the full experience. So they've brought you, you know, <laughs> off road on a course to experience what the ownership's going to be like, and then it breaks. So you know what the you're you're getting what the end consumer is getting. Hand on heart, I can honestly say, in my twenty five years of being a motoring hack, I have never had a Land Rover break on me. You haven't driven any, didn't know. <laughs> I mean, hang on, great. Sorry, we were do when we we did. Land Rover Defender 90. Yeah. New one. Yeah. We did that launch together. We did. And we had engine lights popping up on the dash going to lunch that day. Yeah, but it didn't stop moving. It didn't stop moving. But, I mean, it's like, pff, come on, you know. I've, I ha- Actually, I had the first Defender in Ireland to, t- to test. Yeah. And the gearbox shot itself. Really? And only for the person I was with was an extremely experienced off-road person who knew somebody that had done the pre-drive in Namibia, was able to call him and diagnose over the phone what it was, and we actually fixed it on the spot. Otherwise, that was going on a truck. You see, bush mechanics. You can't be and there. it's like, really? You know, it was the first time I went to... I hadn't even gone off-road in it, and it had already gearbox had gone, nope, not having that. I had the... Uh, so there's just so many things wrong with this with these cars. It's just, I don't care. I love them. It's a completely unobjective thing for me. I, yeah. I had the bright I mean, green 75th anniversary Defender recently, the plug-in. With the one. green wheels? With the green wheels and all, yeah. Which are a, st- are a step too far. No, I'd, I'd they have are. I'd have them. No. But no. Uh, I, I had so much fun with that car, not just doing some off-roading with it, which I thoroughly enjoyed, um, but also plugging into a public electric car charger and basically creating havoc within a thousand-mile radius. Oh, God. As, as Leaf That's owner is trying to lynch nothing, me. Nothing will irritate an electric car owner more than but, plugging in, especially if it's a single charger, than plugging in a plug-in hybrid. Thankfully, it wasn't a single charger. I wasn't quite that naughty. Okay, there, right. was, there was three chargers on site, but still, uh, yeah, there was... There was anger in the air. There were there were pitchforks and torches coming. <laughs> Not by. only that, but with with a defender as well, which yeah. is which yeah. is you know. It's I mean, really. I, li- I like this. I, I kind of like the styling of it, but it is, you know, subjectively an obnoxious vehicle. Oh yeah, you know, in terms of yeah. anywhere anywhere in a city or an urban environment, driving that car is just like you are. Just I mean, I God, I remember when I got the first one. I put a, a picture of it on Twitter pitchforks i mean literally i was like the cyclists and and everyone else parents were coming for me because they were convinced i was just going to mow down all of their children i was i've i've regularly been accused of being a baby murderer baby murderer that's i mean that's quite a jump from from motoring journalists it's not the best accusation i've had i actually got when we did the this is really jumping around in terms of subjects (laughs) now but when we did the bmw m5 cs Oh yes, yeah, down at yes, yeah. The best M5 of all. 
without question. Yes, yes. I, Although the priciest as well. Yeah, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. Yellow headlights. So I wrote up the piece about it, having driven it on track and stated very clearly in the article that I was on driving track. it on track in a controlled environment. Uh, and a uh, Green Party councillor on Twitter accused me of incitement to violence. Uh, how? Because I was enjoying driving quickly. Oh, so that's violence. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, did, I did point out to him that was a very legally specific term to be using. Yes, I, I mean, I, I've had similar from, yeah, I had, I had one that a, a similar member of that party accused me on Twitter as to, uh, you know, basically I'm a motoring journalist, so I'm, I'm responsible for climate, for climate change oh, yeah. because I'm, I'm encouraging it by telling people to buy electric cars and to consider public transport options and doing things like this. It's your private jet that's doing it. Yeah. It's exactly, that's what it is. Because, Ditch the Gulf Stream. Because that plane would not have flown without me on it, obviously. So yes, that would make a difference. But, but, it, but it was, I found the one thing that actually immediately created silence because he, you know, he very, obviously he's a very concerned parent for the world that his kids are going to grow the up trees. in. The trees. The trees and all this kind of stuff. And... And don't get me wrong, I'm absolutely for reducing like what the damage we've done. I think it was probably too late, but anyway. But he said what what he asked what I was doing. What was my contribution to doing everything, thinking of his children's future? And I said, Well, I didn't have kids. Yeah. And and the silence that came afterwards was deafening. <laughs> <laughs> because not having children is probably the best thing you can do to uh Help the planet. Anyway, sorry, we're really going off on tangents We've gone tangents. Um, Where did we start? We started talking about the history, or sorry, the current state. Well, actually, in a way, we're not. We are still talking about the current state of we the car are. world, because that's it. But but I'm sure you also would like to um, judge in with, with something. Well, I do. And we're going to take a very left turn here. Sounds good. What is your favorite quirk or feature of a car? Wow. Be as left field as you want. It that is... <laughs> when you say feature, can we define what a feature is? Are we talking about it like a, a piece of equipment? Are we talking about a, a piece, a, a sort of a, a piece of design? Uh, it has a, to be physical. It can be design. It can be fe- so not a feel. You know, not it can't feel. be a not, characteristic, not a, not a sensation, but That's a such. physical piece, entity, Ooh. piece of design, piece of equipment. You know, I think it actually might be. The Fiat 500e. Oh God! The way that the the shut line of the bonnet cuts through the top of the headlight and Ooh. gives it a little eyebrow. <clears throat> I think that's mm-hmm. actually really cool. We, we've had 120 years of cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay then. I'll, I'll give you a better one. Uh, the festoon of levers that sit to your left in a Series One Land Rover. There we go. Ferry overdrive. You have no idea what any of them do. You just keep pushing and pulling. Yeah. No, them. it's like it's driving and playing bopping at the same time. It's it's <laughs> even better than that. It's 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 almost like playing kerplunk. Yeah. It's uh, uh, that is uh, okay. So this is and we veered back to Land Rovers again, which in fairness does tend to happen with. Yeah. Me. He does this. He does this. this, this okay. Yeah. Calculated. And this is a separate chassis car, so you're like the best car I've ever driven was a 1948 Series One Land Rover. Series Two A is uh, that's on my. Li- I want one of them. Uh, no roof. The roof can go in the shed year round. If oh, it yeah, rains, yeah. tough. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it rains, it just cleans out the car. Yeah, and yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to shower that day. I also want to say, what is for better for worse your most memorable lunch? 
My most memorable launch. Did Annie go that you can really... legally, that you can legally <laughs> speak about? Yeah, this, this, this is on the record. <laughs> on um, the record. Did yes. Annie go <laughs> swimmingly well and you see had a great time, or they pushed the boat out and did something like spectacular, or did one go so awfully wrong that it just sticks in your mind? I haven't been on many that went awfully wrong, or or not in any serious sense. There was a Citroen launch in Barcelona a few years ago where they basically forgot to give us any food. Which is a, which is a, an absolute. That's not as bad as one other launch that I know, but we'll come back to that. There, there have been many, many, many launches, particularly by a certain Italian car brand, where you spend more time in the bus from the hotel to the launch venue than you do actually driving the car. <laughs> there, there was a, there was a launch by that car company where myself and one of the other journalists literally had to carjack one of the cars off two of the other journalists so that we could get a drive. Yeah, um, there, there's there's a thing with Fiat launches that. See, I wasn't going to name them. No, not, no, 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 because it, it's, everyone should know that there is this unspoken thing about Fiat launches that involve an inordinate amount of coach transfers. See, I always to, to the point that you kind of think, does the person in Fiat's brother <laughs> own a coach company? And therefore, there's just some sort of shenanigans going on. Because well, I always used to assume it was like a cross-promotion thing for Iveco. Yeah, may, but, maybe, but no, it, it's, yeah, it's a very, you, you will go from the airport onto a coach to the hotel and you think, oh, well, we're going to get the cars at the hotel. It's like, no, 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 no. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna to have some light food and then you're going to get back into a coach and then you're going to go again but, to another venue where we will have some cars, but there will be fewer cars than the number of people attending this event. Many fewer. Many fewer. They right, sent right. out enough, but yes. just they didn't all make it. Yes, yeah. Is the coach driven properly? Uh, generally, that, that generally, varies. yeah, that well, varies. It's usually it. okay. It's usually okay. Like how many passengers stay in their seats? Because um, that's proper Italian coach driving. Uh, is you yeah. know? Uh, no, 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 no. There's there's no shenan- There's no like kind of craziness. It's just it's just a bit. You kind of once you've done a few of these events, as I'm sure you, know, you back me up on this, you kind of go. This all seems rather unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like, a little. There could have been an easier way of doing this, but no, no, no. This is how they this for well, whatever the, reason. The easier way to do it would be to just bring the cars here yes. and let us drive them in our own time and so on. No, but no, that would no, be. No, they like no, to have their big no. flashy events. Okay. Yeah. I think the okay, that that L three two two Range Rover launch in mm-hmm. two thousand two, that is right up there with one of the best things I've ever done. Uh, another Land Rover event in Iceland in 2005, driving Discovery 3s, not for a launch as such, because the car had been out for a year at that stage. It was literally just to bring us out there to show what the car was capable of doing. And it was in November, and we, we went up and camped in the Highlands in minus 15. It, that was cool. But I think the best event I've ever been on was also, it was actually my second ever. My first ever was the uh, second generation Renault Laguna launch least said about that the better <clears throat> i mean i don't want to bring up lagunas around you i, I mean I, I, I reader i owned one <sighs> yes yeah yes. was it a concord yeah. no yes people, not interested people, people, <laughs> for every, everyone listening it, i don't ever think you should judge people really but 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 you bought a new renault laguna with your own money no no it wasn't you it was second hand second second hand X, sorry i stand correctly x rental and Oh my God. This 1.8 automatic estate. People have been committed to institutions for fewer things than that. Yeah. You could you could hear the depreciation falling out of my bank account. <laughs> but no. So after that, after that, so I was what, 24? 
20, this is a long time ago. Right? Very long time ago. Alfa Romeo 147 launch mm. was supposed to take place in Naples, but there was a strike on at the factory. So the cars couldn't be transported. <laughs> so already this is so, the so of, wonderfully Italian. The head of the head of PR for Fiat and Alfa Romeo Ireland at the time, a really, really lovely guy called Joe Gantley, about whom we could spin an awful lot of stories. Uh, decided that the best way to get the cars from Naples to Dublin for the Irish launch was to just send journalists out and drive them back. Cheap labour. Cheap labour. I think is what that's known Cheap as. Yeah. Child labour in my case. I was only 24. Uh, so I did the second leg of that. We flew out to Geneva, picked up the cars there that had been driven up from Naples, and we literally just tumbled across France in these brand new 1.6 Twin Spark 147s. And about halfway across, we spent the whole like three days getting lost and finding each other again because this is long before sat navs. This is paper maps and, oh, and road books. Dumb luck. Chew, chew the, uh, no, 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 no. This is the map we were given at the start of the thing. I'm not kidding. Was a photocopied sheet of A4 with the entirety <laughs> of the nation of France on it and a squiggly line drawn from Geneva to Calais and a blue bar with an X going. You are yeah, here, basically. Yeah, and it was like, find your way, guys. We'll meet you in Abbeville for lunch. Oh, um, but we were told about halfway along on on the QT. I won't say by who, just in case I get anyone into trouble. That the cars were on um, export plates that technically didn't exist. Once you had left Italy. <laughs> Once you had left Italy. <laughs> right. So essentially, unless you were physically stopped by a police officer, there was no speeding fine was ever going to catch oh, up. okay. So we just, yeah, we just used the French road system <laughs> to its absolute fullest. Um, you couldn't give me a parking ticket, <laughs> Detective Links. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> it, it, it was... I mean, it was colossally stupid looking back on it, but it yeah. was, you know, roads were a little bit quieter in those days and the French authorities weren't quite so authoritarian when it came to that kind of thing. And we had a we had a train under the channel to catch, so we just kind of went for it. And uh, and the cars stood up to it incredibly well, I have to say. Those were, those were good little cars, those 147s. Phenomenal. And uh, we had massive amounts of fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I you know... In the in the life on Mars uh, sort of thing of what happens after you die, if I can go back and do that again, yeah, please, one more go, yeah. I, that's, I mean, I, I've been on a, I've been on a few fairly fairly wacky launches. I mean, definitely the the craziest one I ever did was was across Siberia yeah. with in, in a Mazda three <laughs> in, in an event that and I actually genuinely that event warrants an entire episode. Oh, just on that event, especially to get John Mahoney involved, because he so Mazda. Long story boring. Mazda did this event for the current, sorry, the last old Mazda three, and their idea was we're going to get like pre series cars off the production line in Hiroshima and drive them to the Frankfurt Motor Show where the car is being launched. These are entirely standard and unprepared cars to drive all the way across Siberia during summertime. What could go wrong, right? Literally nothing. I mean, literally myself. I did it with Richard Oakley. Yes. Who, uh, for, for, former journalist. Uh, phenomenal guy. And my God, it was just... Every day it got progressively worse. I mean, all I can say is, on the second night when we got to the hotel... The local mafia turned up to collect the tourist tax from us. 
um, in their English registered E-Class Mercedes. <laughs> so that gives you an idea, listener, of where this event was going. And that was at the early stages of the event. So it was it was just the most... At the time, it became consistently the most... Every day it got more horrific. Every day we lost more wheels because they were standard wheels. And the, the, the roads are so pockmarked. I mean, it's like Mars, the surface of Mars. And, and it wasn't a case of, oh, we've hit a pothole, is you had to decide which pothole you're going to hit, i.e. the lesser of the two evils. And we had already had two wheels that had now right angles in them at this stage. And they didn't have enough wheels. They were actually flying wheels further ahead for the events. Like the Dakar. There was, yeah, it was like literally like, they actually said, we need to, we need to be careful because we're running out of wheels. Things I never <laughs> thought would be said at a car launch. It's like, oh, we're running out of, it's not like oh, we're running out of foie gras. It's like, you know, no, wheels. We're running out of wheels. These cars were completely unprepared. There was no like beefed up suspension. There was no skid blocks or skid plates or these were just totally standard cars and it was just it every day it got more horrific and more horrific but we look back at it now and it was just phenomenal oh, yeah. now i didn't do the whole thing i only i went i went from like vladivostok to ulanude and that was frankly that was enough after about eight <laughs> eight days but <laughs> but my, my very dear friend john manny did the entire event and i met him in frankfurt and I literally was like, he had the same thousand yard stare of like the men who came back from World War Two. You know, he was just like <laughs> this constant like flashback of like they lost a car. Like they came back, they ended up with one fewer car, one less car. Well, that's that, pretty. That, that's that, pretty standard. That a border official took a liking to. Oh well, and, that's not. And, and the negotiation involved. Would you like to continue? Yes, you're going to leave a car here. So yeah, that that was one of the yeah that was kind of one of the craziest lot. But when I look back on it now, I look back on it quite fondly. But honestly, it was just I was and I was quite that was like you. It was like very early on in my in my yeah. career, and I was like, they're not all like this, are they? Yeah, sadly, no. <laughs> and like even the more the much more experienced journalists who were with me were like, they were kind of going, oh my god, I can't. Like one of the guys had a meltdown. It was just like. <laughs> Absolute. I won't name him, but he had. I think I, I know mean, who that was. I mean, a meltdown. <laughs> it was like, and it was just the most bizarre thing. And then, and I, and then the what was even more bizarre was I flew home, and the following day flew out to, to Carmel and to Pebble Beach for Pebble Beach Car Week. And it's like, it's like completely inverted worlds all of a sudden. Cognitive <laughs> distance just is like, real. Oh, but yeah, that that was one of the one of the stranger ones, but. But those, definitely. those are always, because, you know, I, as as listeners may or may not know, you know, the, the normal rubric for these car launches yeah. is we fly to somewhere on the Mediterranean that's off season and therefore is cheap. We get to drive the car for a few hours over a few, over a couple of days and then we fly home again. Yeah. Uh, you know, but when we get to do these epic proper long drives, that's where you get the real fun. That's, that's, or that's where it's where, or near where, death where experience. Where shit gets real. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or, or near death experience. Or, or near kidnapping. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I, I, actually, Mazda loved doing their epic drives. I remember driving from uh, Lulea in northern Sweden to the North Cape in Norway in March in an MX5. And we managed to keep the roof down the entire way. 
And you didn't freeze to death. We didn't because it had seat heaters and, and we had big coats, which was helpful. Okay. And but, if yeah. you've ever been in an MX-5, you know, you could feel the heating outside. <laughs> <laughs> For such a small car, they pack a punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know what they're doing with that car. Yeah, it's, it's channeled directly from the cylinder head. Yeah. yeah. Through the cat into yeah. the cabin, yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, but we had studded tyres. Other than that, the cars were standard. And <sighs> they were yeah. epically good. We, yeah. we stopped for petrol somewhere in northern Finland. Uh, and it was one of those old-fashioned stations where a guy comes out to pump the fuel for you. Uh, and the guy spoke perfect English. He It was snowing quite heavily at that point. We still had the roof down. And he looked at the two of us and literally just said, are you fucking crazy? And... <laughs> um, yeah, 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 we were. Yeah. We are. Yeah. 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 Well, that, they're the things you've got to do sometimes. Yeah, that's, totally. Yeah. That's what makes it. Suffer for your art and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't much suffering, I have to yeah. say. That was great fun. Yeah. No, that, that, yeah. I mean, stuff like that is every so often we do get to do these things. A lot of time it is a little bit more humdrum when we do these things. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It looks glamorous, but it's not. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you get, you get to stay in a nice hotel for six hours. Yeah. And then. And, and there's, there's always the standard rule, which is the nicer the hotel, the less time you'll have to actually spend in it. Yeah. 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 That's, very very true I can I can say that wholeheartedly yeah but I mean so wh- where where are we going to be in five years time with cars do you think I think in five years time you're not going to see an enormous difference mm. I think in five years time you're going to see the steady ramp up of EV obviously of electric cars but it the, the speed at which people take them up is going to fall off a little bit in the next couple of years in fact, you can already see it happening. I mean, electric car sales are still accelerating in Ireland, but they've they've come down a lot in the speed at which they accelerate. Yeah, not the cars, the sales. I should be yes. expecting. Yeah, um, because we are, we, you know, you, we're approaching that point in the graph where all the early adopters have bought one, have bought one, yeah. have got one. They may be on the second one or whatever, but you know, the people who are prepared to make the sacrifices, the changes, the adjustments to their lifestyle in order to have an EV have done that. And what we're in now is a bit of a trough where the big chunk of the mass market isn't ready yet because they're looking around and they're not seeing cars they can all afford and they're not seeing enough charging points and they're thinking, well, you know what? There's probably better stuff coming down the pipe. They're probably right. So I'm going to hang on to my diesel or my hybrid or my petrol for the next couple of years yet and then I'll make a decision. So, you know, it, it all depends on, the, you know, where the, the, the two peaks, how far apart the two peaks of that graph are will yeah. depend on a lot of different factors. But I think in five years' time, as we're coming into that, you know, it's, the 20, it's 2035, we're going to ban new sales of combustion engines, apparently. Mm. Let's see. Um, that, I, don't, I don't think we'll need to ban it. I think they'll just be gone by then anyway because of where European, certainly car manufacturers in Europe are, are going. Yeah, by 2030, pretty much everybody is going to be pretty much entirely electric. There will still be a few combustion engine and hybrid models around, yeah. but they, they will be in the vast minority. Yes. But in terms of the cars you see on the road, I mean, you know, we only sell 100,000 cars a year, just mm. over. So, you know, to refill that car park with fully electric vehicles, that's going to take some time. Yeah. So yeah. you're still going to see the same stuff on the roads for the most part for the next five years. You know, what will change, I guess, will be we'll be paying more for our electric motoring because yes. a lot of the incentives and stuff will be taken away. Although the cost of making the cars will come down and therefore the new prices will start to come down, particularly next year mm. with a lot of affordable EVs starting to yeah. arrive. But the cost of running them will go up because yeah, yeah. your electricity will get more expensive or it will be less subvented or 
you know the price of public charging in particular is which is still the real killer i mean that you know i know like people like to complain about it but the thing is it is a kind of a trade-off between convenience and you you pay for that convenience if you want to have a 350 kilowatt charger you are going to pay much higher than if you're charging at home big time but really like i think that's the thing that it's actually range anxiety is kind of gone it's now charging anxiety is oh totally is really what it is totally because you know, your average ev has the range to do an awful lot of yeah kilometers yeah. in one lump yeah but it is that thing of can i charge when i get where i'm going so i can get back home again yeah i think for a lot of people i think they miss they underestimate how little they drive in terms of every day Absolutely. and you know, with, with an ev and all that kind of stuff I, I, but for me the the binary thing for people like we get people asking us all the time on complete car and stuff it's like you know should i buy an electric car literally it boils down to can you charge your car at home yeah if the answer is yes buy one just yeah, do it absolutely it's fantastic absolutely and that's it otherwise if you can't at the moment you're still going to be in like you're just I know people go, oh, I'll get by on just a public network. You're going to pay way more for it, so you're not going to get the cost more. saving. And it's just that added hassle of well, that's having you know, having to rely on, you know, you, you, you're you've, just, on, you, you've on street parking here. You can't charge at home. You're describing you my know? life. Yeah. And the public char- public charging network here in Belfast is garbage. Yeah. And in Northern Ireland in general, yeah, actually. And, is, and, yeah. and when you can get it, it's expensive. Yeah. Like the only good chargers anywhere near here are the what the Maxwell station ones, which mm. thankfully are right next to where my son goes to school. So it's very handy in that yeah. respect. But it cost me fifty pounds sterling to charge up a Mercedes EQE recently. Fifty pounds. Fifty pounds. And I did not get as far as fifty pounds of diesel would have got me. No, as and someone might say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's obviously the big argument to yeah. have that that a lot of I guess I don't want to say anti EV people, but maybe EV skeptics have is that. Oh, I think there's anti EV you know, people out there. Yeah, and, and they're and and you know those are pretty stupid people, but. Yeah. Who have voted leave. <laughs> who have voted leave. Or, or, in you know, certain countries. Or, 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 or who are inciting certain yeah, things yeah. in Ireland or hanging yeah. around outside libraries or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I love EVs. Mm. I, like Hyundai Ionic 6, by far my favourite car this year. Okay. Love it, love it, love it to bits. Love the way it looks. I know that makes me weird. We've already discussed how I like ugly cars. I yeah. don't think it's ugly. I think it just looks like a 1930s yeah, yeah. Tatra. Like, yeah, yeah. Which I <laughs> absolutely dig. Um, I, and I think that that car is emblematic of the fact that, to be honest, to date, we haven't been offered the right EVs. Mm. Because car companies went, right, we need space for the battery. We also need to make a profit. Yes. Most profitable cars are SUVs. So let's make a whole bunch of big, heavy electric cars with space for the battery that we can charge a shed load for. Yes. So we got a whole load of electric SUVs, which are, you know, and you just, you look at the two cars in the Hyundai lineup, the Ionic 6, the Ionic 5. I like the Ionic 5. Mm. It's a really good car, but with the same battery, same chassis, same electrics, same everything, the Ionic 6 goes an extra 100 kilometers on the same battery. Yes, yeah. And that, it, yeah. purely because it's lower slung, it yeah. carves yeah. through the air better. So yeah. please, 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 car companies, stop making yeah. SUVs. I could say the exact same thing as well with the ID7. I don't know, you haven't driven it yet. No, but, not yeah, yet. But the ID7, same thing. Yeah. So same 77 kilowatt hour battery as the ID4, the 5. Yeah. And it goes, you know, WLTP 621 kilometers, yeah. you know. So um, an extra 100K, effectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, you know, that is the thing. But, but the charging thing, yeah, you've got to have, you've got to have your own charger at home. I'm, well, also, let me qualify that. No, mm, you don't. Mm. You just need to live in the right country. Well, yes. Because okay. I, I was, I had a little holiday in Sweden earlier this year, myself and the fam. Can I say fam? Am I allowed to say that? 
I think you're just young enough to say it. Am I am just <laughs> just young enough to say it? Uh, we went to Stockholm for yeah. a week, and it was beautiful. And by the and I, this is not an advert for the Stockholm tourist board. It's not as expensive as it used to be relative mm. to Dublin, relative to Belfast, relative to other places. Really lovely city. Go there; it's fabulous. We stayed in an Airbnb in a nice little suburb. Nothing too fancy, mm. just like you know, normal middle class yeah. suburb. I walked around the corner. And I saw a beautiful Volvo 245 GL Estate. Wow. One of my favorite cars of all time. But it was parked in front of an EV charger. Mm. Not a big not a big fast charger, just a just curbside a, socket one. Yeah. And I thought, well, he's going to get in trouble. And then I realized where he was parked, the bay had not been painted EV only. Mm. And then I realized there was another charger next to him. And then I realized there was 50 chargers up and down the length <laughs> of the street, none of which had painted bays, because no. what would be the point? Yeah. If the if one of the charges is blocked, just go to the next one. Yeah. And that's where we need to get to. Yeah. Yeah. This that's... has you know it's, this has to become ubiquitous. And it like mm. and I, I've been having arguments on social media with various people about that this week because there is a survey going on at the moment about the electric charging network in Ireland and they're trying to garner public opinion and so on and so forth. And there are certain EV advocates uh, who are saying, well, we shouldn't be listening to the opinions of people who haven't experienced EV because they don't understand and they'll say wrong things. Mm. To which my response is, that's garbage. These are the people you've got to convince. Yes. And the yeah. only way you will convince them is to say, look, plugs everywhere. Yeah. You get a plug and yeah. you get a plug and you... Because otherwise... That gap between the two yeah. peaks of the graph is going to get wider and wider and wider. Yeah, that hundred percent. Because yeah, and same thing. I've I've been in Sweden. I've been in. Uh, I spent uh, earlier this year. I spent a little bit of time in Oslo and in yeah. Norway. And I remember, like, I, I pulled into. I, I was actually driving a couple of various different electric cars that we don't get here, and um, from a few different companies. And we pulled into into a. It was actually was like a Circle K garage, yeah. and it was like pulled in i was like oh wow there's there's like a whole wall of there was like six 350 kilowatt chargers there and then i looked across on the other side of the forecourt there was like another four yeah and i was like oh this is amazing because this um friend who's who lives there he was like this is just a regular yeah petrol station i mean i can't call them petrol station anymore but you know there's still pumps there but he's like oh this is not like we were effectively in a rural station in the middle of nowhere yeah this was not like beside a motorway services. Yeah. This is just a regular. That's just the norm over there. Now I know Norway is a is by far the exception, and you know let's not be beat around the bush. They've done all that by extracting oil and selling it to other people. Oh and, yeah, and they bought their green conscience that way. Yeah, but it just he you know I I, I said it to him he's like you, you lit he said you literally you don't even think yeah about and charging because you know. Anywhere you pull in, there's going to be chargers. There's not going to be a like a charger. There's going to be chargers, yeah. and they're all going to be available, and they're all going to be free. And then the other thing, which we really need to get around, which we're not there yet, is the whole paying for it, using it. Yeah. This whole thing of having apps, having fobs, having I've got to log in. I've got to. Just, I, it has to be if we want to really convince people to switch over. It has to be like plugging your phone in. Yeah. Literally, just take it off the the cradle, plug it in, and that's it. Yeah. I don't want to have nine different apps. I don't want to have all, you know, just... Yeah, that's It should be... Stupid. Like, I remember once, I when we, we me and Cormac went down to Cork, when was it, last year? Yes. In an ID4, yeah. pulled into Ionity, the thing wouldn't work. Yeah. You're trying to ring them, you can't get a hold of anyone, you're trying to move the car to another, another charging post, that didn't work, the card wasn't having it. And it's just like... 
if this was what it was like to buy petrol, people would have torched the place years ago. And they would have had petrol to torch it with. 45 yeah. minutes as well. That's what it took yeah. us from pulling in yeah. to being able to leave again to complete the journey. Yeah. yeah. 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And that is just not good enough. Yeah. That's no, that's totally. the major issue here. And 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 unfortunately in Ireland it seems to be that you know the ESB were initially roading it out and they've just kind of gone, Yeah, we're sod this, we're not doing this anymore. Well I think it, I think it comes back to government and it comes back to both the Irish government and also the EU in general. It, this you can't leave this to an individualistic idea. Mm. You can't put all the onus on people individually making this happen by and I'm making air quotes here, yeah. making the right choice. Yeah. Because people make their choices as a series of reactions to what's going on around them. They don't make their choices in a vacuum. Someone doesn't decide to go out and buy a car and commute for two hours every day because they want to. Yeah. They do that because planning permission and the way cities are built and the way, you know, the way our economy is built has pushed them out of where they work. Yes. And 100%. to live in some far flung point. And the only way they can get to where they need to go is to get in a car and drive there because, hey, there isn't any public transport, or at least not enough and not good enough. So if we want to get proper buy-in on EVs, it's got to be top down. Mm. It's got to be this, you know, you need a charger on every parking space, a slow yeah. charger. You yeah. need fast chargers everywhere. Yeah. Not just because, you know, I remember oh, 10 years ago when, when BMW launched the i3. Wonderful, wonderful little car, by the way. Speaking to someone from ESB at that point and then taking me through this big, long list of stuff that they were working on, going, right, you know, we know that this many people live here. We know that there'll be this many EVs in a given amount of time. We know that they'll therefore need this many chargers. Yeah. And I just said to him, you are nuts. You need every charger you can get your hands on because the only way this is going to work is if people see it working. Yes. Yeah. And at the moment, people don't see it working. And this is the this is the big issue. This uh, it's yeah. it can be such a frustrating experience yeah. sometimes. I mean, I, I I had one time I had a Jaguar I Pace. I went to four chargers, yeah. four different locations before it would actually charge. Yeah, I'm just like this is just insanity. Yep. Like, this is just completely. Yeah, I, I understand it's a complex thing. It's it isn't just like plugging in your phone. There's actually. I know there's a whole lot of technical and software issues that have to go on in the background, but surely in 2023, 2024, um, we can get past this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, it's just electricity, man. It is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and last... it should just be like plugging your phone in or plugging a light in. It shouldn't be any different. And I don't I don't want this to become the EV bashing show because no. it isn't. And as I said, I like EVs a lot. The cars themselves. Mm. I mean, and it's, it's it is getting to the stage now where, you know, every EV we drove before was kind of like, oh, wow, it's an EV. Yeah. So it's interesting and new and exciting. And now we're getting to the stage where it's like, oh, it's kind of a bit boring, uh, but there's a more interesting one over here. So yeah. they're now just becoming normal cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're becoming yeah. like everything else, which is good. Yeah. Last summer, trying to drive from West Cork to Belfast in a Polestar 2. Love the Polestar 2. Great car. Figured I'd stop at Cashel. Same oh, yeah. location. Yeah. Uh, for a top-up on the way home. All four Ionity chargers borked out of action. Yeah. Uh, ESB charger on site. Only one of them. In use. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll, I'll nip down to Clomel. There's an ESB charger there. I'll have just enough charge to get there. Got to Clomel, pulled around the corner to the one charger that's available, and someone got there 30 seconds before me, plugged in a Hyundai Kona, and left it there for two hours. 
And that's not that's, their fault. No, 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 that's no, not no, their, no. I'm yeah. not blaming yeah, that yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. They were using the yeah. charger as first, if first come, first serve. They're yeah. paying for it. Yeah. 100%. They get to use it. But it's like, where's the other chargers, guys? Yeah. And so I had to. I, I think I eventually got home sometime around one in the morning. And that is that's when it becomes an instantly miserable experience. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be, and it shouldn't yeah. be. Especially yeah. as speaking as uh, someone who's close to being a youth um, <laughs> closer anyway yeah recently former youth um, it's very that 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 brings a lot of difficulty because you know I, I was nipping around in my 99 Ford Puma the other day fabulous car the fuel light comes on yeah and I went oh, I don't need loads of fuel I just need a little bit of fuel yeah. so I pulled in I put 10 quid in and the 60 seconds later I was back on the road yeah and I didn't need loads of fuel because that 10 euro was going to do that car for the next two weeks because of how little it gets used. And so that was 60 seconds of my time in a petrol station filling it up. My experience with EVs is, you know, it's a planned journey. You need to know it can't be spontaneous. You can't just, you know, devoid of the plan and and go somewhere else. And it doesn't work that easy to, you know, be able to adopt for someone who's still on the go, who hasn't got a regimented routine yet and isn't, you know, I don't have a commute. I don't have a family, I don't have, you know, a house, stuff like that. So on the fly, it's very hard to kind of make an EV fit in when you don't have a regular structure and stuff like that. I also hate all the cars. They're, for the most part, (laughs) awful. (laughs) I wrote an article on this, and it's, as you said, they're too big. It's SUVs. I do like some of them that get the point. The Ami, I would have it a million times over. I think it is so nail on the head for what an EV in the city should be. Love the Ami. You know, it's it has barely enough power to move itself, but you don't need to go any further than 10, 15 minutes, usually at a time in it. So why does it need more? The i3, people miss the point of that. Brilliant, small, light, well thought out. No one bought it. Fantastic car. Then you have a two-ton, 600-horsepower EV that needs to be fueled with 600-horsepower worth of electricity that it uses half of just moving. Yeah. I It just doesn't make sense. It's, you know, you can make it so much simpler. Just make the Ami, make it better. Give it, yeah. you know, a fabric on the inside. Might make people like a bit more. But yeah, the Ami is cl- as close as would fit into my lifestyle at the moment. The other big thing where you need to know, oh, well, this is where all the chargers are from here to Cork. It's, it's off-putting. Yeah. Why aren't they just everywhere? Yeah. Because yeah, that's it. And the thing is, I get it. Like, you don't have to necessarily plug in for two hours um, no, every time. Not necessarily. I, I like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of take the always be charging kind of approach. Likewise. Of, you know, if I, like, for example, if I go and go stop and have a coffee um, or you're meeting a friend for coffee and there's a charger there well I'll plug in the car while I'm charging and I might have 40% battery but I'll plug it in while I'm charging and I'll leave in 20 minutes and, and okay I've added 80 kilometers of range or whatever and that's fine and I just yeah. carry on my way just use it as you need it but it, it does just the it's you, you know, you bought 10 euros worth of petrol. You didn't need to have an app. You didn't need to have, yeah. you know, you didn't need to... 60-second transaction. Like you had to tap a card, but, like, not in the in, in the same sort of way. You didn't have to sit and wait. Is it charging? I mean, I've had times where I've, I've plugged it in and come back, and the car is like, oh, it just randomly stopped charging yeah. after 10 minutes. Yeah, and and, and, and uh, from the same point is, if you happen to be running something on a budget, if you're having a tight week 
you know, I need to make this last a couple of days till I get paid, I can throw that tank with him. I can run it past the light, onto fumes. And my worst case scenario is I have to walk to the petrol station with a jerry can and fill the gun. The walk of shame. If you do that with an EV, it's a tow truck job. You know, it, it's not wallet friendly to kind of, you can't push the boundaries too much. And it's more so if you're in an atypical situation, if you fall outside the confines of stereotypical household, you know, it makes, it, it brings in some certain difficulties, especially as someone younger, you know, we'd all love to have cheaper motoring, but just, there's, there's, there's beyond the barrier to entry, you know, there, there's a, a, a couple of niggling issues that don't supersede petrol or mm. internal combustion. Well, uh, the, the cost is the big thing. And that's, you know, so yes, we, there are more affordable EVs yes, coming. Thankfully. But it is, and actually charging at home is how you will save the most money. I mean, totally. it is. And, the, and also, you know, that, that a lot of the things that, that you're talking about in terms of, you know, that pushing it past the needle and so on, that's stuff that we just need to get used to doing that yeah. we haven't become used to doing. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're, if, if your Puma's running on fumes, there's a hundred thousand other Puma owners out there who'll go, oh, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, you'll get another 20 miles out of it. Yeah. yeah. Or 20 kilometers out of it, or whatever. You know, there, there, there isn't quite that that critical mass of EV owners mm-hmm. yet who can say, oh yeah, you're fine. In an ID3 on 0%, you're fine for another, you know, 10K, yeah. 20K, 30K, whatever. Yeah. But, and also, you know, there is the ultimate sanction with an EV. You can charge it from a three-pin socket. It's yeah. just really... I mean, I, I've I've driven them too dead. Yes, you Too have. dead. Like, we've, we've done this test on the, the AutoVest jury that I'm on. We do a test every year where we get, like, 15, 20 of the latest EVs, fully charge them, and drive them, not just to where it says zero, beyond zero until it literally stops. So we do it on approving grounds. We're not pissing people off on the road and <laughs> um, but we literally drive them until they stop and it's very interesting even how the different how different the cars are beyond zero but you kind of do get used to, i mean i remember the early days of oh, evs yeah. mitsubishi imef <laughs> you, you, you know and <laughs> i mean i mean goldfish ball with wheels range anxiety is like i mean i love more P- than just range anxiety PTSD, one of them. it was kind of like <laughs> getting getting to the end of the street was a challenge yeah and that you know that's how it was but it's a, you look in 10 years how it has come on in that time oh the dial is because i mean the, phenomenal when i but like i i'm perfectly happy getting into an ev now and oh there's eight percent battery it's like yeah, that's fine yeah it's like i know i've got 10 15k soup it's no problem yeah but it's getting uh, to that stage. It's getting to that stage getting of, that stage. yeah, yeah. You still, I mean, yeah, you used to always be like, oh, is there 20%? You'd be starting to panic, you know? And <laughs> Sweating like, profusely. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like you get, you know, anyone who's worked in the motor trade for years will know, oh, yeah, a few lights on, no problem. I'll, <laughs> I'll drive that for three more days. Yeah. That's so, that just becomes the norm. And EVs are like that, but yeah. um, but I think, I, I think... I think, I do think we need to remember, EVs are just cars. Yeah. They're just fueled yeah. differently. Yeah. And we just need to adapt to that. But, you know, the adaptation, as I, as I said earlier, it's got to come from top down because, mm. you know, that you can't go out and build your own charging station. Yeah, it just, it just feels like, you know, as a, an observer of the industry, and maybe you kind of think the same thing, is that it just kind of feels like the EU especially have kind of got, oh, well, we've gotten all the car manufacturers to go electric. We're kind of dusting our hands off with it now. It's like, yeah. we're not there yet. Still, yeah, you yeah, still it's... need to do your part in 
having the network there to support all this kind of yeah. stuff. You know, we need to do more in the same way we need to do more with everything else. Like we need better cycling infrastructure. We need yeah. better public transport to, you know, the different, the, the biggest thing I've always said is like, you don't want to ban cars, build something that's so much more appealing. People don't want to use their cars. Well, I used to live in London mm. and even as a, you know, jobbing motoring journalist. I never drove into the centre of London yeah. because why the hell would you? Yeah, you want your head you examined. You a fiver for an all-zones tube card back then. Yeah, and that's the way to do it. You know, so demonstrates how old I am. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but that, I, think that, I think that's the major thing that it, there is this, and it comes down to this like them and us kind of, yeah. you know, just this us. stupid thing. It's like, no, it's just... You know, we're all and, people we all yeah. want to get about it's yeah. not motors versus cyclists versus electric car drivers versus diesel car drivers versus bus users yeah it's every you know yeah. i'm i'm all of those people at yeah time me or too another. yeah exactly yeah i cycle so, i i have a motorcycle i you know sometimes i'll take the car sometimes i'll take the bus yeah. or sometimes i'll just walk yeah. like this whole pitting factions against each other is kind of like kind of bullshit maybe we just need to burn down Twitter to get all this to stop ah Twitter has a lot to say for it but I mean at the same time Twitter has also been phenomenal for my career as well <laughs> so I mean I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to totally burn it down maybe just singe a few bits of it but like you know it's just like um, you know but yeah so any other uh, any other business have we um, we've touched on the questionable um, Laguna <laughs> so there's no point asking you what's the worst car you've ever owned. So you have a caricature of a Triumph Herald GTI on your wall. Is that <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> is that a previous parish member here, Triumph, or do you have some kind of Triumph Vitesse? Yeah, not Herald yeah. GTI. Okay, for those for those listening with ears, it's a it's a picture. Yes. Painted. Drawn by, uh, painted and drawn by uh, Ian Cook of Pop Bang Colour fame. Of a Triumph Herald, but he's forgotten to add in the denotation that it has got a uh, twin Stromberg carbs. You don't carbs. need. You don't, because it's got twin headlights. Heralds didn't have twin headlights. Only Vitesse's had twin headlights. Oh, God. Okay. That car, is... I did I did briefly own that car. Really? Uh, P, yeah, PYY801F. I won it in a competition. When I was 20, that They car, literally gave it away. They literally yeah. gave it away. Not they, he, James May. Oh, okay, right. Back when he was a columnist on Car Magazine, long, long, long time ah, ago. Yes, when I, I was in, this. When I was in uni, he uh, wrote in one of his columns, he had this old Vitesse. I nearly said Harold. He had this old Vitesse, and he said, it's a bit old, and it's a bit crap, and I've kind, of, I've kind of run out of patience with it. I'll give it away to someone who can convince me why they should have it. So I immediately ran home. As uh, fast as you could. fast as I could. Uphill grabbed, both ways. Grabbed my electric <laughs> typewriter, which I actually had at the time, um, bashed out a letter, sent it off, and a couple of weeks later got a phone call saying, uh, the car is yours. Having sorted through all one letter. Well, no, apparently <laughs> quite a few people wrote in, and they all said that, uh, you know, I'm going to take it apart and polish it and make it concourse and put it back together again, and it'll be perfect. And good he, Samaritans. Good Samaritans. And, and he said, no, that's not what this car is for. And I wrote in and said, uh, it, it'll be the only convertible in West Cork and I'll use it to pick up girls. There you go. And he said, that, <laughs> and he said that's what it's for. So he and I drove it from uh, the old car offices in Farringdon in North London to West Cork together over the course of a, a night. Uh, it was an epic car. It never yeah. really worked properly. I mean, it, it, you know, it didn't actually drive an awful lot because I couldn't make it work most of the time. And also trying to ensure it was a nightmare because I was 20. Oh, God. More least, importantly, huh? what's, what, what number of ladies did it pick up? 
Um, well, zero is a number. It is. <laughs> so it's the expected number. number. Yeah, that. Number. So really, that was the start of your career as a fiction writer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was the start of my career as an exaggerator. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not a bad first car. But it was it was a beautiful yeah. thing. It was Trafalgar blue. It had matching seats. The doors were fly open on roundabouts. It's also the only car I ever spun on the public road. Even to this day. Really? Yeah. Only one? Yeah. I was driving it into Clonakilty in West Cork, and anyone who knows Clon knows there's a little roundabout just outside the Super Value, and it was very early in the morning. It was slightly damp. I was slightly tired, and I made the cardinal error in any Herald-based car of lifting off the throttle going into a corner, because that causes the weight to transfer to the front, which essentially makes the rear tires, uh, rear wheels, try and fold in underneath the car. <laughs> And so it just went around like a top. Ah. Uh, and I managed to keep, it did a complete 360, kept the engine running because I went for the brake, but the pedals were offset so far to the right, I got the clutch. You see? And I continued on my merry way. Nobody spotted it. Nobody saw it. No, it was too early in the morning. No go. one's up and clawing at that hour. No harm, no foul. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't speeding. I was probably doing like 20 mile an hour. Even more embarrassing. Well, you, it was kind of hard to tell what speed I was doing because okay. the speedo needle used to bounce. Ah, a bit like my Citroen CZVs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's approximate speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there, but it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, not calibrated. Well, uh, yeah. Look, I mean, we could, we could talk forever, but that's I think that's a an interesting roundup of the current state of the car world. How optimistic are you for the future? Always. There's always interesting cars to drive. You're not so optimistic. I'm optimistic I'll have more Range Rovers. <laughs> All the Range if you If you'd like to know anything more about P38 series Range Rover, please contact Cormac Singleton. <laughs> or if you have any that you don't want. Got any old Range Rovers lying about yeah. in the loft? It's, 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 a, it's like a donkey sanctuary just for, for old, <laughs> old, old lame nags. Land Rover products. This yeah. really should just all go to the glue factory. But yeah. Has your Range Rover forgotten what key it has? Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a home. <laughs> well, uh, that's been the um, this week's 50 to 70 podcast. Thank you all for listening. Brought to you in association with Tree of Coffee. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button to wherever you get your podcasts and uh, you'll get the next one automatically downloaded.